0: Loaded, packed, extravagant, colossal. These are adjectives to describe this show, Etroversy Podcast, episode 32. We are loaded with guests as we have Kishwaukee volleyball coach Zach Zalapetic and Kishwaukee athletic director Scott Kawal. After not having volleyball since 2019, the Cougars came back to the court this season. Zalapetic and his assistant Jessica Weber have brought the new resurgent team to a 1-14 and record. They started off 1-0 with a four-set victory over Elgin Community College. There are five regular season matches remaining in the regular season for Kishwaukee as the postseason starts November 1st for the NJCAA Region 4. Seven of the nine players on the roster are from the Edge of Your Seat podcast Coverage Area High Schools. Maddie Lavender, freshman outside hitter, is from Genoa, Kingston. Avery Salisbury, freshman libero defensive specialist from Oregon. Destiny McKinney is a freshman defensive specialist from DeKalb. Emily Gilbert, a sophomore middle hitter from Genoa, Kingston. Eddie Freestead, a freshman outside hitter from Rochelle. Andy Kalb has two more freshmen on the team, both setters, and Natalie Buchanan and Julie Leon. Also on the team is middle hitter Dakota Thomas from Rockford, and Kaylee Akers, defensive specialist and setter from Hiawatha. Also on this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast is Princeton Jr. Noah Laporte, the wide receiver for the Princeton Tigers, spoke with us before week seven, and then Princeton head coach Ryan Pearson spoke with us before week eight, which just took place a few hours ago, as it is Friday night, football Friday. Just got back myself from the Hall-Putnam County game in Spring Valley as the Red Devils hosted the Rock Ridge Rockets. Unfortunately for the Red Devils, their playoff dreams were squashed. By the state-ranked Rockets, they're number 7-2A. The Rockets defeated the Red Devils 35-0. While the game was going on that I was broadcasting for the Wolf 96-5, Princeton defeated Mendota 55-0 to move to a 7-1 record. They're locked into the playoffs, and they are trying to win the three Rivers Conference Mississippi Division for the sixth straight time. The only team standing in their way is Kiwani. However, Kiwani also has a loss. That one loss is to Princeton. Interesting things in the conference as we inch on to the end of the season. Only one more week of regular season football left, and that is crazy. This season has flown by. Also, with the chats, or besides the chats, we have Bring It Back in Win Lose Stat bring it back of course is where we break down albums voted on by you. We are going through the Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums of all time list. We'll put out a poll of four options and you guys have voted setting us the winner, the nominee for us to listen to the album, dive into the artists, find out about them and then of course go through the track list, and then rank them. So we got that on this episode. Also, win, lose, stat, as we start with Wednesday, October 4th, and finish with Saturday, October 7th. So a lot of stuff in this podcast, as always. Didn't I say that this show is action-packed, loaded, extravagant, all of those cool things? I am your host, Brandon LaChance. Thank you for joining us as always. Much appreciated. Appreciate the love. You checking out the podcast. Don't know where you're listening to this episode, but you can listen to the previous 302, as this is 303, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the website www.rss.com. Socials, you know we're there. Facebook, Edge of Your C Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your CP. If you would like to follow me on my personals, Brandon Lachance on Facebook, it is spelled L-A-Chance. Pronounced Lachance, but spelled L-A-Chance. On Twitter is at Writer. On all the sites that we just mentioned—Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter—and everywhere else that you find Edgenuity podcasts, please like, follow, share, comment, five star, a million stars—all those cool things that help us move up rankings and help us do what we're trying to do—and that is spotlight, highlight the area of Northern and Central Illinois. If you have any questions, suggestions. Would like to be a guest, know somebody that would be a good guest, like or dislike something I or a guest said, or you would like to sponsor Edge of Your Seat Podcast, please send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. As always, much love and appreciation to Cavelli Productions, Brian Cavelli, my friend, the homie from SIU. C has created the intro and outro beat that is heard on every single episode. Well, now that self-promos are done, let's get into the show. We're going to hop right in to bring it back. Like I said, Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Albums of All Time list. The last poll that we had, 420, was Earth, Wind, Fire, That's the Way of the World, was the album from 1975. 419, Eric Church. Chief from 2011. We ruled out 418 as Dire Straits Brothers in Arms from 1985 was already part of Bring It Back as when I first started this, I picked an album that is around my birthday, October 20th, and that was the album that won that poll. Might have been the first Bring It Back ever, but we've already broke down that album, already done it, so we wanted to skip over it. 4.17, Ornette Coleman, The Shape of Jazz to Come from 1959. And then 4.16, The Roots, Things Fall Apart. As a close pull became a dominant win for Earth, Wind, Fires. That's the way of the world. As the Eric Church album, Chief, and The Roots album, Things Fall Apart, tied for second. They were interloping the three albums and then all of a sudden Earth, Wind, Fire got about 15 votes all at the same time and Eric Church and The Roots were never never able to come back. Not at all. So we'll look into Earth, Wind, Fire, obviously the album, That's the Way of the World, and then we'll get to the track list and rank them as we listen to this album quite often over the last month. The band Earth, Wind, and Fire... Was founded in 1969 in Chicago by Maurice White. Over the years, many, many people joined the Earth, Wind, and Fire group, the band, the legends. You will find out just how epic Earth, Wind, Fire becomes. But on this album, That's the Way of the World, this is who was in the band. Verdine White was on bass. I'll also say if they're alive, passed away, how old they are as we go through the list. So Verdeen White, still alive at 72. Philip Bailey on the Congas. He's alive and he is also 72. Fred White, Ralph Johnson, and Maurice White are on the drums. Fred White, Verdeen White, and Maurice White are all brothers. Andrew Wolcott on the flute, soprano, and tenor sax. He unfortunately passed away April 24th in 2022 at the age of 71. Johnny Graham and Al McKay on the guitar. McKay is alive at 75 years old. He was only with the band from 1973 to 1981. Maurice White, I mentioned his name as he founded the band. He plays the Columba. You'll understand what that is in just a bit. He passed away February 4th, 2016 at the age of 74. Larry Dunn was on the synthesizer, piano, organ, and keyboards. He is alive, 70 years old. He was with the band from 1972 to 1983. Percussions was McKay, Maurice White, Bailey, Johnson, Verdeen White. Ernie Watts was on the... Additional saxophone, needed another saxophone for a couple songs. Vocals was Maurice White, Verdeen White, and Philip Bailey. The conductor of the onslaught of Earth, Wind & Fire amazing music was Sonny Murrah. Maurice, who was a drummer for Chess Records, formed the Salty Peppers with two friends in Chicago, moved from Chicago to L.A., and started adding people, including his younger brother Verdine who moved to L.A. in 1970 as a bass player. The Salty Peppers eventually were signed to Warner Brother Records. It's interesting how Earth, Wind, Fire became Earth, Wind, and Fire. Maurice is a Sagittarius, astrology sign, primarily the elements of fire and seasonal qualities of Earth and air. So Maurice changed the band from the Salty Peppers to Earth, Wind, and Fire. The music that they have produced has had very, very many different labels, including jazz, R&B, soul, funk, disco pop, Afro pop, and even Latin. They released their first album February 1971, as it hit number 24 on the Billboard's Top Soul Album Charts, and was certified gold in France. 1975, they were in a movie called That's the Way of the World, as it was offered to Earth, Wind & Fire by Sig Sure, who produced Superfly. The film starred Harvey Kettle, Ed Nelson, and Earth, Wind & Fire as The Group. That's what they were called, The Group. And Maurice White as early, The Group's leader. Earth, Wind & Fire thought that the movie would bomb, which... It did. So they released the soundtrack before the movie's premiere. And that's the album we got here that we are talking about. That's the way of the world. So it was originally a movie soundtrack. Well, it is a movie soundtrack, but they released it sooner as their own album because they're like, hey, this movie's not going to do so hot. But we put some work into this. Let's, uh, you know, make it our own sort of kind of. And that's what they did. Also around the same time, they hired their own horn section called the Phoenix Horns. Earth, Wind & Fire concerts in the 1970s were loaded with pyrotechnics, magic, laser lights, flying pyramids, levitating guitarists, and other elaborate production tricks. Magician Doug Henning was on the tours with his assistant, here's a name you might know, David Copperfield. January 1979, Earth, Wind & Fire performed at the Music for UNICEF concert with ABBA, Andy Gibbs, the Bee Gees, Olivia Newton-John, Donna Summer, and Rod Stewart, which was nominated for an Emmy, a concert Emmy. Didn't win, got a nominee, but that is quite the list of stars that we just read. Hall of Famers, all of them. 1981, the Phoenix Horns Began collaborations with Phil Collins and Genesis. So even the horn section started to move out a bit and get the recognition, the name of Phoenix Horns, Earth, Wind & Fire, get it spread out there. 1984, Earth, Wind & Fire went on hiatus as Maurice decided the band needed a break. During the break, Maurice White produced Barbara Streisand's album Emotion in 1984. Then, Ramsey Lewis's Fantasy album in 1985. Maurice White then self-titled a solo album in 1985. On that album, he covered Ben E. King's Stand By Me, a legendary song I know you've heard. He then produced Neil Diamond's Headed for the Future in 1986. Also during the break, Philip Bailey released his second solo album in 1984 called Chinese Wall, his first solo album, was during Earth, Wind & Fire's original reign from 1971 to 1984. Bailey also appeared on Kenny Loggins' 1985 album, Vox Humana. 1986, Bailey released his third solo album called Inside Out. He also released two gospel albums. He appeared on Stevie Wonder's 1986 Square Circle, and in 1987, he had spot collaborations on Ray Parker Jr.'s After Dark. During the break, Ralph Johnson produced the Temptations 1984 album, Truly For You. So, went on hiatus, but they kept making their music. They had to do what they loved to do, you know? White then focused on reconvening Earth, Wind & Fire in 1987. Maurice, Verdeen, Johnson, Wolfolk. Bailey, they all came back and then introduced three new members Vance Taylor, Sonny Emery, and Sheldon Reynolds. 1999, Maurice White battled Parkinson's disease, beat it, but became an ambassador as he helped AE Network's Live by Request, where Earth, Wind, and Fire performed. Also, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, Boys to Men, Smokey Robinson, Isaac Hayes, Michael Jackson, Eric Clapton, Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine all posted messages on StarTalk.org website for White about the disease. So they reached out, helped him by saying some messages about Parkinson's disease and trying to help the cause. In 2000, Earth, Wind & Fire was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They performed Shining Star and That's the Way of the World during the introduction, which are both on this album as well. Also in 2000, President Bill Clinton specially invited the guest Earth, Wind & Fire to the White House State Dinner on the South Lawn of the White House in honor of His Majesty Mohammed VI, King of Morocco, and Her Royal Highness Princess Leila Marim. The King... Mohamed VI then invited Earth, Wind & Fire to perform in Morocco for his 37th birthday in August of 2000. Earth, Wind & Fire collaborated with Yclef Jean on his second album, The Eclectic*. Two Sides to a Book. Earthwind & Fire donated $25,000 to American Red Cross after 9-11. The band also performed the closing ceremonies for the 2002 Winter Olympics. In July 7th of 2003, they received the Hollywood's Rock Walk recognition. In 2004 and 2005, Earth, Wind & Fire were doing collaboration tours with the band Chicago. February 22nd, 2009, they were at the White House for the Governor's Dinner. They were the first musical artist to perform at the White House after Barack Obama became the president. After Maurice White died on February 4th, 2016, Earth, Wind & Fire was awarded, honored, recognized with the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award on February 15th of 2016. So just 11 days after his passing, they received the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. September 10th, 2019, Los Angeles City Council declared September 21st Earth, Wind & Fire Day. March 2023, Earth, Wind & Fire LLC filed a lawsuit for copyright infringement and trademark delusion against Substantial Music Group and Stellar Communications, which had launched a Earth, Wind & Fire legacy reunion group. They're like, hold on, this isn't us, what are you talking about? So, they filed a lawsuit. Artists who have covered Earth, Wind & Fire songs include Incognito, D'Angelo, Patti LaBelle, Mint condition. Taylor Swift, Kirk Franklin, Donnie Osmond, Winona Judd, Yolanda Adams, Whitney Houston, Chicago, Shaka Khan, and the R and B group One Twelve. The artists that have sampled Earth Wind and Fire include Drake, a tribe called Quest, Missy Elliott, Public Enemy, Snoop Dogg, Jay Z, The Fugees, LL Cool J, Kid inc Salt and Pepper. Diddy, Bjork, The Roots, Will Smith, Nas, TLC, Common, Lupi Fiasco, Big Sean, Tupac, and MC Light. Man, between the list of artists that have covered, sampled, and they have worked with, that is the who's who of the music industry from the 70s until right now. Until right now. Insane. The current members, still part of Earth, Wind, and Fire, which is still existing to this day, is Philip Bailey, Sr. and Philip Bailey, Jr., Verdine White, Randy Johnson, B. David Whitworth, Myron McKinney, John Paris, Morris O'Connor, and Serge Dimitrijevic. You know they've been in the music biz that long. They got tons of awards. They've won five American Music Awards. All five of them, favorite R&B soul band duo. 1975, 76, 77, 78, they took a break, but came back and won the award in 1980. 2002, they were honored with the BET Lifetime Achievement. They've won seven Grammys. Shining Star won the best R&B performance in 1975. Like I said, that song is on this album. And five other songs have won Grammys, plus... The Lifetime Achievement in 2016. They received a Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1995. The NAACP Image Award in 1994. I already mentioned the 2000 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 2011 Soul Train Music Awards Legend Award. and 2003, they won the Vocal Group Hall of Fame. In other words, Earth, Wind & Fire for... 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, the 20-teens, and the 2020s. That's six decades of amazingness. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account? Pay off a high interest credit card? Or take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website, using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but have no worries, you can apply for one of those online too. Check out FSB's Premier account that pays higher interest for doing a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quilla loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member, FDIC, and equal housing lender. Let's get into the album, That's the Way of the World, released March 3rd, 1975 by Columbia Records. It is the sixth of Earth, Wind & Fire's 22 studio albums, ranging from 1971 to 2015, and like I said, the band is still together. This is the soundtrack from the 1975 film, That's the Way of the World. The producers were Maurice White and Charles Stepney. Both have passed away. Rest in peace. Number one on both the Billboard Top 200 chart and Top Soul Album chart. Reached the, the top of both of them. Spent three weeks on the top of the Top 200 and five weeks on the top of the Soul Albums chart. It has been platinum three times. Three time platinum album for Earth, Wind, and Fire. This album is listed as soul, progressive, funk, and pop. Eight songs, 38 minutes and 23 seconds. The top two singles we have mentioned a few times here Shining Star came out on January 21st, 1975. It won a Grammy and it reached the top of the Soul Chart and the Billboard Hot 100. That's The Way of the World, which is also the title of the album, reached number 12 on the Hot 11 and number 5 on the Hot Soul Train list as it was released June 17, 1975. They have been on a few lists. In 2005, this album was on the 1,001 albums you must hear before you die. That's a pretty important list, definitely. Vive Magazine's 51 albums representing a generation, a sound, and a movement in 2004. And Soundtracks.com named this album, that's the way of the world, the best soul album of the 1970s. All pretty impressive. Let's get into the track list. Like I said, eight songs. And the top charting single, Shining Star, leads off the album. It is the first song. And it is funky. Funky R&B. Then you add a guitar that turns it into a, a rock song with a little solo. There's disco involved. There's ranging vocals all over the place. Musically, just a sympathy of awesome. Not sympathy, symphony of absolute awesomeness. And the song itself is about self-confidence. You know, you could have a better life if you just go and live it. Stay positive, keep doing your thing. The second song, that's the way of the world. Like I said, we've talked about this. It's slow, it's harmonic, has fantastic ad-libs. Again, musically, just creative genius. And it's about, you know, being better humans. Let's be joyous. Here's a line from the song you will find peace of mind if you look way down in your heart and soul. Don't hesitate, because the world seems cold. Stay young at heart, ah, because you're never old at heart. Three, happy feeling. Very upbeat, very, very, very happy. Saxophone, the bass, percussion, the kalimba, which I mentioned that Maurice White played, has got a funky, cool sound. It's like an xylophone Sort of kind of drums, sort of kind of a triangle, all mixed together. The song itself wants you to get on your feet. Feel happy. It's pretty much an organized jam session. Feel, feel, feel what you wanted to feel. That's what they tell you. Track four, all about love, first impression. Never spend time talking about love. So now we will. They actually say that before the song starts, and then it is a slow... Ballad, classic R&B, love ballad. And unfortunately, I kind of got, you know, eh, this song isn't like that great, not that cool. It reminded me of Coming to America when they're at the, uh, was it McDougal? McDowell's, the McDowell's instead of McDonald's, where they're at the fundraiser thing for the church. And then they have the singer there, the singer that performs this song reminded me of him how it's sung, how the words are elaborated. I was like, man, I feel like they could have sang this in Coming to America, the movie with Eddie Murphy. So (laughs) that kind of foreshadows where I'm gonna rank this song in the album, but that's kind of what it sounded like. Number five, yearning, learning The piano kicks in right from the get-go. That's how it starts. Then drums and horns are mixed in, and it is super funky. In a super cool exhibition of just knowing how to play musicians or musicians knowing how to play instruments. Aligning is here to remind you, learning, yearning. It's what we're here to do. It's about stop looking behind you, learn, and move forward. Think positive, move positive, and just expand life. Number six is reasons. Flute and drum dominated, no doubt. It is a love ballad, it's slow jam, but at the same time, it'll make you like rock your head a little bit. Maybe not a nod, not a full gangster nod, but you'll you'll rock it a little bit and kind of enjoy the beat. Musically, it's amazing, just like every song on this album. I keep saying it over and over again because musically, Earth, Wind and Fire could jam. But reasons, it's reasons for love and why we're together. But not necessarily in relationship, couple being together, but hooking up being together. Here is a couple lines that make people think that way. One line, longing to love you just for a night. And then another line, after the love game has been played, all our illusions were just a parade and all our reasons have to fade. Sounds like a hookup song, but in the 1970s, this was the correct way how to produce a hookup song. Number seven, Africano. It is an awesome five minute and nine second jam session. There's not one word muttered, uttered, said on this track, but you hear a fantastic saxophone in soul, funk, jazz, up-tempo version style. Man, absolutely amazing way again to show how to play an instrument or multiple. Number eight, the last track on the album, See The Light. Organ leads throughout the entire song, kind of almost like a bass type feeling, but you can tell it's an organ, but it's just got this subtle, you know, instead of strings, the keys being played throughout the entire song. So they use the organ kind of like a bass. It's kind of cool. There's also hi-hats which are great because they make it quick, but they're also subtle. So you got a subtle organ, subtle hi-hats, just mixing and matching to make the song kind of have a cool vibe to it. Lyrics through the song that I really liked or that stood out to me. Looking through the clouds, what do you see? Sky of gases, child in need. Troubles everywhere, more than I can bear. So I'm searching from within. Help them see the light. The Light. Interesting lyrics, interesting song. All of these, go check out. You should probably listen to Earth, Wind & Fire's The Way of the World. Here's my rankings, our rankings at Edge of Your Seat Podcast for the eight tracks on this album. Not going to do a full repeat of what I've already said about the song, so I'll go through the track list and say where I put them. Shining Star, the, the first song, the... Chart-topping single, I put number two. That's The Way of the World, which also did well on the charts, I say is number six. Number three, Happy Feeling. I think is the best song on the album. It's happy. It makes you jump. It is awesome. Number four, All About Love. I did not like it all. I rank it number eight, the worst song on the album. Number five, Yearning Learning, a cool, vibey, positive song, I have at number three. The sixth track on the album is Reasons, I have at number five. Africano, the super cool five minute and nine second jam session, I have at number four. And then number eight on the album, See the Light, in my rankings, I have as number seven. Honestly, besides the one that I have as the last song on the album, All About Love, I could re-listen to these all the time. Africano, I put on repeat for like an hour or two when I was designing pages for a newspaper because I absolutely love it. It is so cool, so funky, so awesome. You can tell it's from the 70s, but it is still listenable and so amazing in 2023. Keep following Edge of Your Seat Podcasts, social medias, like I said, Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook and Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter for the polls to keep voting. We will have the next Bring It Back poll up probably later today, which it has passed the midnight hour on Saturday. So will be up later today on Saturday. Check it out. Vote. Please let us know what album we should listen to, which artists we should jump into, find out about, research. It's always fun and you can join us listening and you know find out more stuff about music that you either don't know at all or that you've heard but it's been a while it's a good time always surf internet's fast fiber internet is more reliable and 25 times faster than cable unlike other local providers we're proud to provide transparent all-in pricing that includes equipment fees and taxes with speed packages starting at 35 dollars a month You'll get a free modem, free expert installation, and free whole home Wi Fi on most plans. Plus, no contracts and no data cap at a price that's locked in for life. Go to surfinternet.com to learn more or call 844 955 SURF for details. That's 844 955 SURF. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. Let's get into win lose stat where we talk about everything that's going on in high school sports. We cover 49 high schools, and we can't forget about junior college. I just said high school sports, but junior colleges as well, as we pay attention to Kishwaukee, IVCC, and Sauk Valley. We'll start Wednesday, October 4th, and we'll keep it moving from there. Volleyball, the Little Ten Conference Tournament. Earlville beat Hiawatha in a quarterfinal. 2025, 2521, 2725. For the Lady Red Raiders, Bailey Miller, 10 Ks and 1 block. Maddie Olson, 9 Ks, 18 digs. Also a quarterfinal at the Little Ten Conference Tournament. Indian Creek defeated Hinckley Big Rock, 25-21. For Indian Creek, Izzy Turner had 1 ace, 6 digs, 4 kills, and 6 assists. Another quarterfinal, number seven, Samanak defeated number three, Serena. So that wasn't the only upset, as I forgot to mention, Indian Creek was the number six seed and Hinkley Big Rock a two seed. So two huge upsets in the quarterfinals. Outside of the Little Ten Conference Tournament, Plano lost to Woodstock 25 18, 25 18. For Plano, Rita Laura had nine assists and Alexa Martinez four blocks, and four kills. Marquette defeated St. Bede in two sets. Boys Soccer, Plano 7, Crossroads 0. Plano's now 12-7. Chris Kaliba had four goals. That dude has been scoring goals all year, every game. Also, Boys Soccer, Mendota 8, Winnebago 0. For Mendota, Cesar Casas, three goals. Isaac Diaz, two goals and two assists. Cameron Kelly, Sebastian Carlos, and Freddy Manajano also had one goal apiece. And Johan Cortez had three assists. Cross country, Dixon, Streeter, Depew, all were at Mendota. For the boys, Mendota's Anthony Kelson won with a 16-48. Mendota's Dagan Satchel was third with a 18-03. For team scores, Dixon won with 24. Mendota had 39. Streeter, 77. For the girls' race, Dixon won as a team with a perfect 15 as Dixon had the top nine finishers. Streeter had a 54, Mendota a 77. For Dixon, Daniello Levitt won it with a 22-23. Mendota's Ana Valdez was 11th with a 27-32. Moving on to Thursday, October 5th, back to the volleyball court. Newman defeated Hall 25 23, 25 13. For Newman, Jess Johns, 14 kills, 2.5 blocks, 12 digs. Kennedy Rousey, 4 kills, 4.5 blocks, 1 dig. Newman, 20 wins, 3 losses, 1 tie, a perfect 9 0 in the Three Rivers Conference East Division. Geneseo defeated Galesburg 23 25, 25 10. 25-17. Geneseo, 13-11 with an 8-3 Western Big 6 record. For Geneseo, Lizzie Raps, 12 kills, 11 digs, and 1 block. Kendall Ellerblock, 7 kills, 4 assist blocks. Alyssa Perez, 30 assists and 5 aces. Princeton defeated Mendota, 25-16, 25-13. Amboy, beat AFC Ashton Franklin Center, 26-24, 12-25, 25-14 during Pink Night For Amboy, junior Tyra Vosin, 15 assists, 9 aces, 2 blocks, while senior Ellie Jones, 17 digs and 4 kills. Sterling defeated United Township, 22-25, 26-24, 27-25. For Sterling, Delilah Aniqua, 6 quills, 9 digs and 12 assists. Olivia Melcher, 10 Ks. I think when I went to say six kills, I said six quills. This is not Harry Potter. We're not at Hogwarts. Delilah Anakwa, six kills. Boys soccer also from Thursday, October 5th. DeKalb, two. Harlem, zero. Mendota got a win, 5-3 over Rochelle. Johan Cortez had two of those five goals. Oregon defeated Pecatonica, 2-2-0. For Oregon, Gavin Morrow had a goal and assist, and Steven Garrado had one goal. Oregon is now 10 wins, 11 losses, and two ties on the season. Friday, October 6th, this was last week's Week 7 of the football season. Amboy, Lamoille, Ohio, 46, AFC, 0. The Clippers of Amboy are 7-0, AFC fell to 1-6. For Amboy. Quinn Luffelman had three carries for 72 yards and two touchdowns. Landon Welchel, four carries, 62 yards, and two touchdowns. Eddie Jones and Gio Gatza also had a rushing touchdown apiece. Eddie Jones, the junior quarterback, had 82 yards and one touchdown in the air. All 82 yards to senior tight end Brennan Blaine in four catches, who also had that touchdown. Number eight four A Dixon moves to seven and zero on the on the season with a fifty five to six win over Rockford Christian. Saint Bede went to five and two after a thirty one to twenty eight close victory over Dwight Gardner South Wilmington. El Paso Gridley beat Eureka twenty eight seven to give the Titans a five and two record. Number ten ranked in one A Anawan Weathersfield defeated Farmington 3-15 and one Weathersfield moves to 6-1. Fieldcrest won back-to-back games with a 42-0 win over Fisher to go 3-4 on the season. Eddie Lorton had 23 carries for 244 yards and 3 touchdowns. Whew! Geneseo beat Mendota 63-6. The Maple Leafs 6-1, the Trojans 1-6. Caneland shut out Marengo 45-0 to help the Knights go to 4-3 on the season. LaSalle, Peru hung on against Ottawa for a 24-19 victory to give the Cavaliers a 4-3 record and Ottawa a 3-4 record. Kiwani defeated Monmouth Roseville 42-21 to move to 6-1 on the season. Number 2 in 4A, Morris defeated Woodstock 48-7. Morris is still undefeated at 7-0. DeKalb fell to Naperville Central, 42-0. DeKalb is 2-5 on the year. Yorkville beat Oswego, 17-0. Yorkville's is 4-3. Number 4-2A Seneca moved to an undefeated 7-0 with a 28-6 win over the 5-2 Marquette Crusaders. Plano got a shutout win, 35-0 over Harvard, to move to a 4-3 record. In eight-man football, Polo moves to 6-1 with a 52-12 win over Blue Ridge. Brock Salto was at it once again, 15 carries, 175 yards, and 3 touchdowns. But he wasn't the only one in the spotlight, as Delao Fernandez had 16 carries, 165 yards, and 3 touchdowns also. Back to 11 man football. Princeton shut out Barrow Valley 42 0. Princeton moved to 6 1. Barrow Valley 3 4. Oregon shut out Rock Falls 39 0. Oregon's 4 3. Rock Falls 1 6. For the Hawks of Oregon, Logan Weems had 17 carries for 180 yards and 3 touchdowns. Rochelle beat Sandwich 42 13. Rochelle and Sandwich both have 5 2 marks. Sterling fell to three and four with a 35 to 33 super close loss to number six in 7A Quincy. Stillman Valley beat Genoa Kingston 22-12, moving Stillman Valley to four and three and dropping Genoa Kingston to three and four. Streeter lost to Piattone 36 to 32 to make Streeter's record two and five. Number one in 3A, the top dog Byron. Shut out Winnebago 62-0 to remain undefeated. In games that happened last Saturday, Newman ranked number 7 in 1A, defeated Hall Putnam County 28-7. I was at that game and Sterling was on the the call, the wolf, 96-5, as Newman defeated Hall 28-7. There was eight turnovers in the game, four apiece. Number two in five A Sycamore stayed undefeated with a 42 to six victory over Woodstock North. Polls heading into week eight, like I said, started last night, just a few hours ago, actually, on Friday. We'll continue into Saturday. You know how it works, high school football style. But the polls leading into this week, one A number one Lena Winslow still undefeated, seven and zero, receiving all. First place votes, 120 votes in total. Was also at the top spot in 1A last week. Newman stayed at the same spot as last week. Number 7, 6-1 and one record, 37 votes. In one Wethersfield dropped from 9 to 10. 6-1 record, 24 votes. In Class 2A, the top dog is Murrah Forsyth. A undefeated 7-0 record. They have all the first place votes, 120 total. Also was the top spot last week. Number four is Seneca. 7-0 and record. 85 votes. And they are in the same spot they were last week. In Class 3A. Byron. Still number one. Have been number one. 120 votes. All 12 of the first place votes. With their 7-0 and undefeated record. Princeton is number two. Has been number two for the last few weeks. 6-1 and record. 94 votes. In 4A. Rochester is number one, they were number one last week, 7-0 record, 118 votes, 10 first place. Morris is sitting in second with two first place votes, 109 altogether. They're undefeated and were also number two in 4A last week. Dixon, number eight, as they moved up a spot, they were number nine last week, still undefeated at 7-0, 36 votes in 5A. Prairie Ridge is still number one, 119 votes with their 7-0 record, 11 first place votes. Sycamore stole the other first place votes as they have 108, 7-0 record, and they were also second place last week. Also on Friday, October 6th, was the start of the Boys and Girls Golf State Meets. They were Friday and Saturday. The boys were at Prairie Vista Golf Course in Bloomington. We're going to go after both days, Friday and Saturday, with the team results and our golfers that medaled, did well, finished the state meet. Congratulations. It is super, super duper hard. As a novice golf player, I know what you're going through, the pain of trying to be a good golfer These high school golfers are the real deal. The Class 1A Boys State Golf meets St. Anthony in Effingham were the team winners, the champs, with a 6.22. Individuals, Thomas Hurrow, a senior from River Ridge, won it with a 143. He shot a 73 on day one and a 70 on day two. Again, day one is Friday, October 6th. And day two is Saturday, October 7th. Last time I'm going to say that, but I want to make sure you know what I was talking about. Finishers in our area. Finishing 18th was a senior from Newman, Logan Palmer. shot a 76 and an 80 for a total 156. Marquette senior Carson Zellers took 25th with a 75 and an 84 for a 159. Wyatt Novotny, a sophomore from Burrow Valley, was 64th. With an 82 and an 87 for a 169. In 2A, Sacred Heart Griffin, they won with a 623. Byron, the only team that we had advanced to state in boys or girls, was eighth with a 645. Individually, Reagan Conan, a junior from Marmion, won with a 141. So he shot a 71 and a 70. Aiden Moore, the senior from Geneseo and friend of Edge of your C podcast, took fourth, fourth in the state into a. So he shot a 73 and a 73 for a 146. Byron Sr., Aaron Lorenz, tied for 30th with a 158, shot a 77 and an 81. Tying for 30th with him was Drake Kaufman, senior from Ottawa, also a friend of Edge of your C podcast as he shot a 158 with a 76 and an 82. Tied for 43rd was Sterling Jr. Mason Hubbard, who shot a 162 with two 81s. Finishing 52nd was Davis Baker, a junior from Byron with a 78 and an 86 for 164. 56 was Mason Brant, a senior from Byron, who shot an 85 and an 80 for 165. Tied for 64th was Wesley Hollis, a senior from Kaelin, shot a 167 with an 84 and 83. Also tied at 64 was Ryan Tucker, senior from Byron, with a 79 and an 88 for 167. Cooper Mershon, a junior from Byron, shot a 168 with an 89 and 79 for 69th place. And Kaysen Newton, sophomore from Byron, came in 87th as he shot a 89 and an 87 for 176. In 3A, New Trier won the state title with a 598. Individually, Nicholas Simon, a senior from Conant, which is in Hoffman Estates, had a 143, a 67, and a 76. Finishing 41st was Yorkville senior Justin Goble, who had a 77 and an 83 for 160. Congratulations to all the fellas that were out there golfing, doing their thing, winning medals, participating, competing in the state meet, that's a huge deal. You might have finished 101st, but you got there, you got to the state meet, and you were golfing with the best. Girls State, also October 6th, October 7th, but it is at Red Tail Run Golf Course in Decatur. In 1A, Mount Carmel 1 with a 633. For the individual's. Sacred Heart Griffins junior Izzy Hesbrock won with a 147 shooting a 71 and a 76. Dixon senior Katie Drew tied for third with a 150 a 78 and a 72. Piper Stenzel, a freshman from Seneca, tied for 33rd with an 83 and a 91 for 174th. Aliyah Lauer was 56th, the senior from Genoa, Genoa Kingston. Had a 93 and a 93 for 186. Eddie Heinecke finished 57th as the senior from Roanoke Benson had a 92 and a 95 for 187. In Class 2A, Glenbrook North won the state title with a 603. Individually, Kaylee Dwyer, a senior from Lincoln Way West, won with a 144, shooting a 72 and a 72. Taking 30th, was Brianna Shalman, a senior from Sycamore, shot a 76 and an 82 for 158. Girls golf only has one A and two A, where the boys have an extra A, who, an extra class with three A. Congratulations to the girls. The ladies did their thing as well out there golfing, putting in the work on the greens, the fairways, the tee shots. Did an amazing job. You know, we're tracking down the golfers to get them. In an interview, a chat with Edge of Your Sea podcast. Other sports happening on Friday and Saturday. Friday, October 6th, Kishwaukee Junior College. Women's soccer. Kishwaukee lost to Wabonzi 6 0. In men's soccer, Kishwaukee defeated Wabonzi 2 1. Halftime was 0 0 before Corey Miles scored a goal. His assist came from Mendota's Yahir Diaz. The other goal for Kishwaukee came from Colin Hastie with Memo Garcia giving him the assist. Volleyball court, Indian Creek beat Samanak 25-21, 25-16 in the Little 10 Conference Semifinals. This moved Indian Creek to 10-14-1 on the season with help from Izzy Turner. as She had 7 kills, 6 assists, 4 aces, 1 block, and 7 digs doing just about everything. Moving to Saturday, October 7th, staying at the volleyball court, though, the Princeton Invitational. Princeton beat Mendota 25-16, 25-21, and then Mendota lost to Sherrard. Mendota's record is now 9 wins, 14 losses, and 1 tie. The Little 10 Conference Volleyball Tournament, the 3rd place match, Earlville beat Samanac 25-7, 25-17. Four, Earlville, Brooklyn Geldy, 11 points, 5 aces, 18 assists. Hannah Path had 8 kills. Genoa Kingston beat Scales Mound, 21-9, 21-9. Four, Genoa Kingston, Olivia Keegan, 11 Ks, 8 assists, 3 digs, 1 assist. Girls Tennis, Mendota held an invite where Mendota won it with an 11. Princeton was 2nd with 10, Cole City was 3rd with 8. Newman and Pontiac tied for fifth with five, and Kiwani was seventh with three. For Mendota, number one, Natalia Salinas was two and one on the day. Number two singles, Ella Lewis was three and oh, perfect undefeated. For the doubles teams for Mendota, Lauren Holland and Lydia Hernandez went one and two. Number two doubles, Leah Stamberger and Kylie Goldblatt went 2-1 and, and the number 3 duo of Lily Bocas and Ava Beats went 2-1 cross country at the Sterling invite for the boys Pleasant Valley won with a 56 Sterling senior Dale Johnson won with a 1505 for the girls Pleasant Valley won with a 60 individually Juliana Gambo from Fenwick won with a 1812. and that is a wrap for win lose stat it is always a pleasure. It's always awesome covering everything that we have in this area of sports, whether it's golf, soccer, volleyball, football, all the rest of them, girls swimming and diving. I don't want to leave anybody out. So I'm trying to list them all. Everybody doing their thing. So cool the accomplishments, wins, losses, stats that happen in our area. The interviews you are about to hear with. Kishwaukee Volleyball Coach Zach Salipetic, Kishwaukee Athletic Director Scott Kawal, Princeton football player, he's a junior, Noah Laporte, and the Tigers coach Ryan Pearson are all brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. Associates Jason Hintz and Caitlin Henry pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship, to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Jason Hintz has been with Medoda Ford for eight years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. Caitlin Henry joined the team in July and is excited to help you find your dream vehicle. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Medoda Ford family. Jason and Caitlin will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.MendotaFord.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. And when you do, don't forget to mention where you heard about Mendota Ford, as the dealership has a refer a friend or family member program. If you buy a vehicle, the person or podcast who referred you will receive $100. Well, that is a wrap, not only for Win-Lose Stat, but for the entire intro. Thank you for joining us. Bring it back. win Stat, all of our guests, Zach Zalepedic, Scott Kwall, both from Kishwaukee, Zach, the volleyball coach, Scott, the athletic director, then Princeton's Noah Laporte, the junior wide receiver, and coach ryan pearson thank you so much for joining us thank you for listening not you them but you as in you the listener thank you very much as always for hitting the play button downloading whatever you do to listen to edge of your seat podcast much appreciated every single time time to get to our chats thank you we'll be back soon real soon edge of your seat podcast until then peace. I always get a lot of press releases from our guy, Brett Herman. We also talked to him for a podcast. By the time you hear this one, you've already heard him, but you haven't heard him yet. I worked with him at the News Tribune. He sent me a press release about the volleyball program at Kishwaukee College. Having a new, naming a new volleyball head coach in Zachary Salipetic. So we had to reach out and find out who this guy is, who's taking over this program. So we got him right here. Zach Salapetic. how is it going, my man? Going all right. How are you? You know, appreciate you having me on the podcast. No problem. We'll get through some of these kinks. uh, 10 a.m. is not really early in the morning, but for some odd reason, it's kind of early in the morning today. I don't know why that happens sometimes on a Friday. Yeah, it's definitely a Friday. (laughs) You're ready for the weekend, ready to get things going. Speaking of getting things going... You're taking over the Kishwaukee Volleyball Program. I mean, what does that mean to you to say that you're the new head coach of the volleyball program at Kish?
1: Uh, I mean, it's definitely a big step forward in my coaching career. You know, it's an honor. I think one of the coolest things since taking over, honestly, is obviously the Kish volleyball program has had a great legacy. But just in the couple months since taking over, the amount of people from the community and the volleyball community that I've talked to, and even some of the recruits that I've been talking to, I mean, they're really excited about the program coming back, and it's just, it's really a testament to the, the legacy that the program has. I mean, I still get former players who, who reached out to me on social media, really excited that things are coming back, and really looking forward to you know Kish Volleyball being part of the community again.
0: Kishwaukee Volleyball's last season was 2019, took a three-year break. We also have the Kishwaukee Athletic Director Scott Kawal with us on the line. After we get done talking to Coach Salipetic and his career and what he plans to do with Kish, we'll talk about some of the history with the AD Scott Kawal. Back to you, Zach. I mean, I understand that you were a player and a coach. Just kind of talk about your volleyball trajectory and what's kind of landed you at Kish.
1: Uh, sure. So, I played uh, men's club volleyball at the Uni- University of Kansas for four years. I was a DS because if you've ever watched men's volleyball, you've got to be about six seven to play in the front row, and I am 5'10". Um, but, I mean, I love the sport. I love playing. I was super passionate about it. I always said, you know, I can't control whether I'm the best player on the court, but I'm always going to be the hardest working. And that's always been been my mentality in the sport. And then I really brought that into coaching when it comes to coaching. I grew up with my parents. They ran two travel softball teams throughout my life. And so every weekend in the summer, I was in, you know, softball dugouts at tournaments, travel on over. So I really grew up around coaching. Um, And then right after I got back back in the area from Kansas, I started coaching at Aggression Volleyball Club where I met Keith Foster. Um, he's the varsity coach at Genoa, Kingston. I'm um, going into my seventh year coaching club. The last two years, I coached with Keith at Genoa, Kingston. Last year, was actually honored to be uh, part of the coaching staff when we won the 2A state championship, so that was really, really cool.
0: So you've kind of been all over and kind of seen a little bit of everything.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been, like I said, I've been really passionate about it. I mean, I, I can't express how much I love the sport. And so any opportunity I've gotten I've just jumped at it. I mean I just love being around
0: the sport. What was it about volleyball? I mean I am not saying anything about genders but usually especially coming from where you're, you're coming from football, basketball, baseball, things like that catch each, you know somebody's eye or even golf sometimes. Mm-hmm. But volleyball as a guy sport around here really isn't, you know, a top priority for some it is. Like you, what made it that sports that you wanted to be part of and become compassionate about
1: so that's a good question i actually grew up baseball like i said my parents were were softball coaches me and my brother we played baseball i played you know varsity baseball in high school i went to st mary's and sycamore for grade school and i played the three sports that were available basketball volleyball and cross country and i just loved playing volleyball and then i went to aurora central catholic for high school, and they didn't have a volleyball team. I never really considered playing men's volleyball, and so it's the same season as baseball. I grew up playing baseball, and then it was my sophomore year of high school. I remember thinking back on playing volleyball. I'm just, I couldn't tell you any specific score. Couldn't tell you how many games we won. But I just remember thinking about how much I just loved being on the court. And it was at that point I realized, like, all right, this is kind of something special. Like, I really love this. And then everyone, when I tried to get back into it, everyone I talked to just told me I was too short. I was too late getting back into it. Um, I was already going to be too far behind. I Actually, gave a speech in speech class about how I wanted to play volleyball and how my grading rubric, the teacher wrote, "You have to be at least six three to play men's volleyball. Don't waste your time." And so that was tough. And then when I got to Kansas, it was kind of just right place, right time. I was playing volleyball Direct center one of the guys from the team invited me to the tryout i was definitely not the best one at the tryout but you know like i said i worked really hard and they were gonna have to drag me out of that gym to get me to stop playing volleyball again um, and then after talking to the coach the last day he let me stay on the team came to practice and i i never worked that hard at anything in my life as i did for volleyball
0: that's awesome that's a cool story that makes me like uh you know after you watch a movie and you see something you're like oh that's really cool i kind of just did that when you're telling the story that was that was pretty cool
1: yeah i mean honestly when i look back on it or when i tell that story people like oh it's kind of like a movie yeah um yeah no doubt but because of that like i'm so passionate and i i thought i lost something i loved before and now that i got it back like
0: i'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure i keep it good stuff so what brings you to Kish? What made the, I guess, opening appealing, or why was it this place, this school, this team? Now,
1: one thing that I've learned a little bit about myself is that I like to, I like to really see my own long term vision, and I tend to see things a little bit more uniquely than other people will. So I really have to kind of have some freedom to pursue that vision. You know, I've looked at some varsity, or some high school varsity opportunities the past couple of years. From what I know, from kind of that high school varsity experience, you don't necessarily get as much freedom as you would like in high school volleyball, as opposed to college. I mean, it's just a different game. They're younger. And so when this opportunity came up and I heard about it, it just seemed like a great fit. Like, I knew I wanted to move forward in my coaching career. I was just kind of waiting for the right opportunity to come up. And so once we saw this, I talked to my parents. I talked to, to Coach Foster over at GK. we were like, yeah, this seems like like the perfect fit.
0: I know it's a a fall sport. We are in March, the end of March, beginning of April. What have you done so far with the team or the program to get ready for your first season? I mean, it's been all hands on
1: deck recruiting so far. I got hired back in January, and it's a little late to the game to be getting into recruiting, and especially coming in with a brand new program, just trying to fill a roster. So it has just been all hands on deck. Recruit 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 so far. And it got off to a little bit of a slower start, just trying to spread the word obviously. But like I said, since then things have really picked up. I've been hearing back from the community. I've had people reaching out to me that I didn't even contact. Just saying, Hey, heard volleyball is back. Really excited about it. I'm interested.
0: That's awesome. So the buzz is there.
1: Definitely. It's been very noticeable the last I'd say about the last month, like the word is definitely out. And that's, that's been a cool thing to be a part of, too, for just to kind of be coming into something that just has a reputation already. It's definitely been cool.
0: Did you know about the reputation of Kishwaukee Volleyball back in the day, or actually not even back in the day, early 2000s, uh, you know, mid-2000s? Did you, did you know about that? Did you know it was a really solid program, and was that part of the idea for you to come here and kind of rejuvenate that? I knew a
1: little bit. I didn't know to the extent um, obviously, from 2014 to 2018, I was in Kansas. Before that, like I said, I wasn't necessarily looking into volleyball too much. But I knew they had a solid program. And then it wasn't until I was considering this job and talking to people about it, they were like, people started to really tell me how, how strong of a program they had. And that was actually one of the things Keith Foster told me. He was like, I think you could be the guy to bring it back. And so kind of getting that push, that affirmation from the, a coach that I look up to, that's kind of what really set it over the
0: edge. It was kind of like that little uh, spark that you needed, like, I can do this.
1: <laughs> correct, correct. Like, I always know that I can do it, but then hearing it from from someone else who you've seen do great things, you know, that's, always, that's always nice.
0: Yeah, definitely. We're our own worst critics, so when you hear it from somebody else that's saying, like, hey, man, you got all the tools to do something, then you're like, okay, if you say it, then I know I can. Correct. that's actually
1: kind of something I tell my players all the time. Like it's so easy as a player to see, like, oh, the ball didn't go over the net. You know, I struggle with this. It's still not working. But you don't see all that that progress in between. Like as a coach, a player can come a long way, but still have the same end result. And then they think they're still just as bad. They don't realize how good they've actually gotten. You know, they you know they're right on the cusp of. you know, being great or or getting it done. I think there needs to be something said about this first group of girls coming in to take on this program because reestablishing the program, especially with a program with a legacy like this, I mean, it's no small task. And a lot of times, you know, people talk about, oh, yeah, we got to get down in the trenches and put in the work. But this first group of girls, I mean, they're the ones digging the trenches. You know, they're not just jumping into the the cakewalk or taking kind of an easy opportunity. I mean, this is a tough task and these girls, you know, they deserve credit for that, for jumping in, wanting to work at it, wanting to set the foundation for the new program. I mean, that's, they're kind of going into a blind opportunity here, just willing to take it, and I think they deserve to be commended for that, kind of, no matter what happens.
0: Do you have any players from the local area? You know, we always want to try and recruit
1: in-district first, just because we are a family environment. We're, We're all about the community, so... We want our players' families to be able to come out and watch them play. So, yeah, I mean, in-district recruiting is definitely a definitely priority.
0: And there's a lot of great volleyball players around this area anyway. Yeah, I mean, from my experience coaching at GK, the volleyball in this area is, is very strong. I am in Mendota, so Mendota and Genoa Kingston were in the same conference for, I think, just a couple of years when Genoa Kingston moved over to the Big Northern, and then Mendota got out this past year, but uh, I did see a lot of Genoa Kingston volleyball and pretty solid program.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, we won the 2A the state championship this past year, and I mean, they got some, some really good players over there, That and I'm excited to see just where their future goes, and... You know, they had a ton of fun. I think the big thing with them was they were just always having so much fun. And that's something you even look for, like, in professional sports teams. Like, that team that just looks like they're going out there every day and they just love every minute of what they're doing. Like, you really can't put a cap on how good that team can be.
0: Did you use the uh, winning a Class 2A state championship in your recruiting pitches?
1: Uh, I try not to talk too much about me. I do put it in my introduction. Um, I think it does a little bit kind of get them to raise their eyebrows for just a credibility standpoint, just because it is, you know, my first year as a college coach. I mean, the the players obviously earned that themselves. I was just there to help out Keith Foster with with game planning and everything. And I was honored to be a part of that. Um, But I mean, I make sure I mention it just because it does. I mean, it does help with credibility when you hear that. And I'm honestly grateful for the opportunity. And I don't take for granted that it's an experience a lot of coaches, you know, they might never get in their in their careers.
0: Yeah, state titles don't come easy, that's for sure. It's an honor to get to know the man behind the volleyball program at Kishwaukee College now in Zach Selipatic. Now, let's hear from the guy that has been with the Kishwaukee College athletic program for a little bit, knows some of the history, some of the details in the back. We're talking about athletic director Scott K. Wall. Scott, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks again for having both of us on today. Hey, no problem. I was just happy that I didn't call you Zach because I called him Scott.
2: (laughs) That's all right. We may have that issue moving forward because, again, we'll we'll be pretty much – Arm and arm working together to help build the program back, so
0: excited about that. Definitely. I'm, I'm happy to see where this journey goes. Like I said, I've been covering, following Kishwaukee College for a while. Um, I, when I worked with the News Tribune for 10 years, I was a main writer for IBCC Sports, so every time that Kishwaukee and IBCC crossed paths, I was at those games, every single one of them. Three years without a program, let's start with why the program was kind of put on delay or slowed down or kind of stopped for three years. Sure.
2: Now, um, I think if we look back at, you know, the history, the legacy of what the volleyball program's meant to Kishwaukee, it was certainly a very difficult decision. But you also have to look at the context of where we were at the time. We were just going into and coming out of the pandemic and many colleges, institutions of higher education, high schools, I mean, a lot of factors that hit for budget purposes and and making sure we can continue to run all of the athletic programs that we had. And we did have to make pretty much the difficult decision at that point to kind of twilight the program at that time. Uh, As you said, you know, back in fall 19 was our last season. Uh, As everybody knows, you know, February, March of 2020 is when everything kind of happened. And so, again, we made that decision as we moved into the summer. You know, we were looking at overall where we stood and we thought it was best as a senior leadership. And board of trustees and president and myself to make that decision. It was tough, but uh, we kind of transitioned from there and uh, didn't go without saying over the last two years, continue to work hard and diligently to put forth the idea of bringing it back. And, you know, finally, as we've kind of come out of the pandemic the last two years and uh, seeing how things are growing with some of our other programs that we brought in, uh, they granted me the opportunity back in late November after the board meeting to say, let's go ahead and bring it back for the fall competition for... Fall twenty twenty three. So, um, at that point, move forward and looked around for some quality candidates that are out there. Again, uh, looked long and hard for that, and you know I think that pretty much represents everything that I've been trying to build the last six years at Kishwaukee. The whole idea of family, and uh, you can obviously tell from his conversation with you the passion that he has for for coaching as well as the sport, and uh, really, really emulates the things that we've been trying to do with all of our. Sports at Kishwaukee the last six years, and, and that includes really looking inwardly at a, a lot of the quality student athletes that are there in our community. Um, and again, those schools that lie in our district, including Decalvin, and Sycamore, and Genoa Kingston, which obviously he knows very well. Uh, Kirkland, Hiawatha, over if you go west, of Oregon, and then Rochelle and Indian Creek high schools. Those are our main focus. And, and as you had mentioned earlier, you know, and I was very passionate about it. So definitely, we have young ladies. Coming from Rochelle, like Eddie Freestad, outside hitter. And then we have Avery Salisbury coming from Oregon. And then Ashley Sheriff is one of those who are taking advantage of. She was a current student, had played at the DeKalb, didn't get a chance to play last year. But now that she knows the program's back in action, she was one of the first ones to jump on board for Coach. We're excited to see all these young ladies play for us and get the program back up and running. And more importantly, reestablish the culture and the tradition that the Coach is going to be able to provide for them.
0: For you, I mean, it's kind of been a roller coaster. You saw the program, you saw the highlights, you saw, you know, things that people remember that make it this, you know, kind of iconic, rememberable program. And then obviously you saw the years when it wasn't there. And now you're going to get the other side of it where it's coming back, but it's going to be kind of a development process, building, you know, trying to reinstall what you had. For you personally, I mean, what does it mean for Kishwaukee to have this program back and try to build it to what it was
2: oh you know what it's it's exciting moment for us i think overall for me um, i look back at my experiences and i think the whole idea of family and culture comes from my own experience myself my wife was a 12-letter athlete in high school Uh, all three of my daughters you know have been able to you know go through that experience of coming out of high schools and decide where they want to go to college and they've experienced the community college environment my oldest two went on to play division one softball you know, my youngest played basketball for us at Kishwaukee in redeveloping the program because that was twilighted before I, I arrived as well, and I brought that back. The idea of, of, of young adults that are trying to find their way, you know, from maybe a smaller school, didn't get an opportunity to play as much, maybe didn't grow potentially as much as they would have liked um, to be recognized, or maybe financially their families aren't able to support them in that four-year journey right off the bat. And so then we're going to be able to provide them that quality opportunity at Kish you know, that's, that's exciting. The other aspect is seeing it grow from from the, the you know starting point to where we envision it. Does that always mean we're going to be, you know, playing for national championships like we did back in the aughts? You know, we have five national championships in our tradition at volleyball program at Kish. My goal is to obviously provide those opportunities, let coach run the show and continue to grow our culture and see how things roll out. Like, again, we just brought in women's golf uh, not too long ago, about three years ago. Uh, as we came out of the pandemic and then we were able to uh, go to women's nationals for the first time ever in any of our njca region four which we belong to in the northern Illinois area first team in division one women's golf to be qualified to go to nationals and they got 15th in the country so i see that as we continue to build the culture and uh, get the word out as coach said i think uh, you know we'd be competing very very hard for region titles getting through at least the semifinals every year in a very very tough region uh, a lot of great schools in our region and then be able to battle to see if we can qualify for nationals at some time but obviously that's going to take some time it may not be as quick as women's golf but i'm looking forward and eager to see what happens with it
0: good stuff a lot of things moving and grooving at kishwaukee
2: well i think i think that's kind of the nature we're at i mean we just spent a lot of money a couple of years back to renovate our locker rooms or 1970s locker rooms with metal and it's kind of nasty so when we're doing recruit visits it's kind of hard to sell any sport let alone the indoor sports like volleyball and basketball say hey these are locker rooms you know what do you think you know it's kind of hard uh but we renovated the locker rooms we renovated we have a brand new training area training room trainer's office and then we also have the opportunity that we redesigned our gym brand new electronic scoreboards and sports tables so a lot of exciting things going on at kish um, and we're welcoming volleyball back into that mix
0: Good stuff. I'm happy to see it. Like I said, I saw the press release and my eyes got big and I instantly, okay, I got to reach out. I got to have this guy on. And then you came with the package. So I'm glad to talk to both of you today. New volleyball coach at Kishwaukee, Zach Sellepatic, and then the athletic director at Kish, Scott Kawal. Thank you both very much for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Thank you much. Yeah, thank you for having us on. We're in the midst of the high school football season Today, Friday, October 6th, is week 7. Kickoff tonight, Princeton is playing Burrow Valley. We had to have Noah Laporte Jr. with the Tigers on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Noah, how's it going, my man?
3: Going pretty good. Very excited for the game tonight.
0: I mean, Burrow Valley, Princeton, kind of a rivalry game.
3: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And as of right now, this is going to be the last time we play Burrow Valley.
0: Because they're moving, they are leaving the conference after this year.
3: Yep. So, you know, we got, we got to end out with a bang.
0: No doubt. I believe they're going to the Lincoln Trail, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yes, I think that's where they're going.
0: But that's crazy. That uh, the Borough Valley Princeton rivalry is going to be separated. That's kind of insane.
3: I know. I I like playing Borough Valley. I like playing all the the schools that just a rivalry against them. It's it's nice, but. You know, now they're leaving.
0: So, yeah, it's always a weird thing. I played for Mendota. Did not play football, but I played basketball. And our top rivals, Hall was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Rochelle was one of them. We were in the NCIC, and that got broke up. I had already graduated. I graduated in two thousand four, but that got broke up. Mendota went to the Big Northern Conference, playing Dixon, which was kind of rivalish. They were in the NCIC. But then Winnebago, Stillman Valley, Rockford Lutheran, Rockford Christian, and to go to a game was like over an hour away. So you saying that about, you know, playing the schools that are around you that, you know, you might know outside of sports and things like that and build a rivalry. Those are very, very important. So hopefully, you know, Princeton's rivalry with Hall and with other schools can kind of, you know, make up for Burrow Valley leaving the conference.
3: Yeah, hopefully it does. I mean, we just had a game last week, Kiwani. Kiwani's one of one of the big rivalries we have too.
0: Yeah, I would say are those your biggest three? Burrow Valley, Hall, and Kiwani?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would say those are the biggest three. Mhm. And the Princeton Kiwani game last week, everybody was paying attention to that because, you know, Kiwani 5 and 0, you guys were 4 and 1. That was pretty much the title game for the conference.
3: Yeah, that That was was the game of the week right there. It was was very exciting going into the game. And then luckily we came out on top.
0: When I keep saying conference, of course, I'm talking about the Three Rivers Conference Mississippi Division. I mean, how do you feel the conference has been this year for you guys?
3: It's been pretty good. I mean, we're just taking it game by game, playing the best ball we can play, and, you know, hopefully coming out on top.
0: And on top, you guys have the only game that you lost was to Morrison. I believe it was week two and it was a last-second field goal. I watched that live because you guys have a great streaming facility with Norm and Coach Schmidt and they do a great, great, great job over there. So I'm watching yes, that. Do. I see the end of the game. You score on a touchdown with like 45 seconds left, gives yeah. Princeton the lead. They take a shot down the field. They convert, then a field goal, and, man, that had been a crazy ride of emotions for you.
3: Oh, it was for sure, but we can't focus on that game. We just had to move on, and we moved on pretty good, and now we're, what, what is it, 3-0 after that game, 4-0 after that game?
0: I'm trying to do the math here. That'd be 3-0, right? Cause then,
3: I think so, right?
0: So you would have been 1-1, and now you're 5-1, so 4-0, 4-0.
3: 4-0, yep.
0: How many uh, human beings does it take to do this math equation? <laughs> <laughs> so 4-0 after that game, as we do our math conversions together Noah mm-hmm. I mean pretty great turnaround after you know a heartbreaking loss what was it that made you guys kind of turn around so fast obviously you say hey we got to look one game at a time but you know that's kind of easier said than done sometimes
4: mm-hmm. yeah
3: taking one game at a time and just I think the biggest thing we took out of the game was playing for each other for your brothers right next to you I mean that's that was the biggest outcome of that game because after that game we played for each other and and then it took care of itself.
0: As a junior last year, sophomore year, yeah, Tegan Davis is your quarterback. He of mm-hmm. course playing football for Iowa. You then now have William Lott. So back to back years, two different quarterbacks, and you're still producing pretty great numbers.
3: Yep. It doesn't matter the quarterback. I mean, I just, during practice, getting the chemistry down for, from the quarterback, you know, they deliver the ball and I'm, I'm just, I'm catching it.
0: You're like, it's that easy, man. You throw, I catch.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just got to get the chemistry down and it'll be, it'll be all right.
0: Definitely. How do you think the chemistry with William Watt has been so far?
3: Oh, uh, it's, it's definitely growing. We're just getting started because this season we've been really uh, heavy run dominant. I mean, Casey Etheridge and Ace Christian have been running the ball very well for us this year, so, you know, and that sets up the pass game for us.
0: No doubt, no doubt. And William Lott, he's a junior as well, right? Yes, he is. So you guys have played football together pretty much your entire lives. Yes, we have. So now it's just on the field, you know, because you haven't played together every single snap like you did when you were younger, and now trying to rehearse that, get that back.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are trying to get that back, and, I think we're doing a pretty good job of it right now.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Coach Ryan Pearson, seems like every year, it doesn't matter who he has on the squad, you know, he makes them better players, puts them in the right positions to be successful. And I don't think this year is any different.
3: Oh yes. He puts the right players in the right position and you know, he just always has a scheme for our players. Whatever players do best, that's what he's gonna put in the game plan and and we're gonna execute it for him.
0: Which, that was a great transition, my friend. You have put yourself in position in the Princeton record books as this year you have taken over the all-time receiving yards title. You're now the kingpin of receiving at Princeton. Uh, You took the record from Bennett Sirens. Sirens. I always say his name wrong. Yes. Yes, sir. Took the record from Bennett Sirens. And, I mean, well worth it. You still got a year left after this year, so you got a year and a few games to... Make that total even larger.
3: I mean, that's the plan, just to keep it growing. But you know, I'm not, I'm not really focused on that right now. I mean, we're playing really good ball, and I'm, we're just looking to finish out the season and, and then go into the playoffs. It's off strong.
0: Before I hit the record button, and we said the record was around 1,033 yards.
3: Yes, it was. It's around there.
0: That's where it was when you beat it. Yes. What did it mean for you to beat that, for you to, you know, as a junior, you know, have the most receiving yards in Princeton history, which Princeton goes back a long, 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 long way in terms of football?
3: No, I mean, it feels great, but, you know, I couldn't have done it without, you know, Coach Pearson drawing up the game plan, having the trust in me, you know, having my quarterbacks to deliver me the ball, and then the linemen also to block for him, and just, you know, it just all got put together, and, and then I get praised for it.
0: I appreciate your modesty and you know giving credit to you know other places that credit is due. I mean you can't do it without a line, with without a quarterback, without a coach. I mean so I'm I'm glad you realize that, but you know still like hey I do have the talent to get it done.
3: Yes sir. I mean that's the biggest thing is believing in yourself and you know if if you don't believe in yourself then who will?
0: I say that often. Did you read that from one of my notebooks or something? Did you take that from me?
3: No, I did not. I mean I just. That's how I think. I mean, I did not read it, but
0: maybe I should go read it. <laughs> no, hey, you already know it, so you don't have to read it. That's beautiful. Hey, You're Is good there? right now. That's fantastic. Princeton Jr., Noah Laporte, thank you for taking a couple minutes out of your day chatting with Edge of Your Seat Podcast about the football season, and you got a big game tonight against Burrow Valley. So, you know, go Tigers, and thank you for joining us, Noah Laporte. Yes, sir,
3: no problem. Go Tigers.
0: When I just called my guest, I had to say my long-lost coach who has been on this podcast many times, Ryan Pearson of Princeton. How is it going, coach? Uh, going really well. I got moved from radio broadcast from Princeton to Hall Putnam County Football from last year to this year, so we don't get to speak as much as we did last year.
4: <laughs> well, that's definitely unfortunate, but you know, you, you, you got to do what you got to do.
0: <laughs> definitely. They just tell me where to go, and then I try to make, you know, the best football game broadcast happen. That's all I can do. All I can do.
4: That's right. That's right.
0: And you guys, the Tigers, have picked up right where you left off from last year. 11-1 and last year, in my mind, one overtime away from going to a state championship game and possibly winning it from, you know, what I saw in the bracket. But... You know, there's no magic eight balls here, no crystal balls. But you were 11 and one last year. This year, six and one. I mean, you guys have been playing the Tigers brand of football.
4: Yeah, we started out the year, you know, uh, a little bit slow. You know, we were still trying to figure out our identity. You know, and and the types of kids that. That we have this year are a little bit different, you know, than what we had last year. So, you know, we'll, 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 the coaching staff will will own that just as much as as anybody else. You know, we were trying to figure out what our kids do well, and instead of trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole, and so I think we've about week four. Uh, the second half against Orion, you know, something clicked in our in our kids' heads. The light bulb came on, and we started to play really good football. You know, we've been able to carry that, you know, week five against a, you know, really good 5A, you know, Sterling program. You know, then we were able to carry that, you know, last week or the last two weeks you know, with, uh, with Keewanee and, and, uh, Bureau Valley. So as long as we continue to make strides, you know, each and every time that, that we step foot on the football field as a coaching staff, you know, that's, that's really what we're looking for.
0: I kind of want to elaborate on that because I don't know if people know how tough that is. I mean, you guys have a great year last year led by a senior quarterback and a senior defensive back and Tegan Davis, you had other seniors on this team that made, you know, a huge difference were big pieces of the puzzle You know, they're gone, you have a sophomore from last year, William Lott now is your junior starting quarterback, and you know that happened in a few other positions, and just getting that vibe right, that team dynamic from last year to this year with so many moving parts, how difficult is that for a head coach in varsity football?
4: Well, to be honest, it's it's probably one of the most challenging things, you know, and, and I could probably make it easier on myself, but, you know, that's that's not what's best for kids. And for us as a coaching staff, we try to figure out, you know, what our kids do well and and try to build around that instead of, you know, hey, this is the system that we run. This is what you're going to do. And, and, you know, quite frankly, we may have a kid that just isn't very good at those things you know if we were just a a double tight wing t all the time you know we may not have those types of kids and so we try to adapt and build our our schemes around what we feel our kids do well and so it is very challenging but at the same time I feel like our kids deserve that you know instead of just here's what you're going to play and and uh, you know we may not be utilizing the skill sets that you know that particular individual brings to the table so that's we do every year, you know, so I know some years you're you're going to look at us we're going to be spread, some years we're going to be double tight. It just it truly just kind of depends on our kids and you know, I'm obviously anybody that knows our program, we're going to build everything that we do around the power scheme and and uh, and just kind of go from there. But, you know, we're, we're fortunate that we found our niche. You know, like I said a little too earlier that that week 4 game against Orion, you know, where I think that we really kind of hit our stride and and we've just been continuing to play good football you know from that point I wish we could have done that you know a little bit earlier in the season but you know like I said the the coaching staff will will own that just as much as the kids
0: it sounds like Justin Fields wants to play for you or you should be coaching the Chicago Bears one of the two (laughs)
4: I don't know if I'd go that far but <laughs> but I appreciate
0: that <laughs> well making adjustments around your players that's exactly what Chicago's needed to do and you have proven you know through the Tigers program that you definitely do that uh, you were talking about the season and you know started off kind of slow the week two was the 22 to 21 loss to Morrison ranked in 1A and I watched that Thanks to the, uh, you know, Tiger streaming, Norm and Coach Smitty do a great job on that program. And that was a crazy game. Noah Laporte gets a touchdown with like, I think 45 seconds left. Morrison gets the ball down the field, kicks a field goal to win it. I mean, second week of the season, I know you're like, hmm, I wonder what just happened here. Well,
4: and, and you can't have six turnovers. And expect to beat a good football team, you know, or any team, you know, for that matter. Uh, we just didn't take care of the football. We had too many interceptions, fumbles, just costly fundamental mistakes that you know are are not, you know, I, I guess, commonplace, you know, in our program. And so those are things that we had to address and and uh, and, and fix through practice and and like, our kids have done a fantastic job. I mean, they were upset. You know, just as much as as we as coaches were, you know, that was not the princeton team that we envisioned and so we we really had to kind of instead of pointing fingers you know we had to point thumbs and let's let's get back to the drawing board and and write and the ship and 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 move forward in a positive direction and, and credit to our kids they went back to work the the typical you know blue collar uh, roll up your pure sleeves and put your hard hat mentality and 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 really have have done a, a tremendous job so you know it was unfortunate but at the same time, you know, you learn more from your losses than you ever do your successes. So I, th- I think in the long run, that that may have been a, a positive thing.
0: If I'm looking at this and, you know, I've seen games, read stories, looking at stats, I would think it was kind of a wake-up call. The five games since there, 20-0 shutout against Newman, ranked in 1A, and I just watched them against Hall Putnam County on Saturday, and their defense was phenomenal. Then you played Orion, shutout, 42-0. Sterling, you mentioned 5A program, 28-6 victory for you guys. Kiwani, 37-14, and then shut out Burrow Valley last week, 42-0. So in five weeks, you've allowed 20 and scored, because my quick math is not the greatest, a thousand points. So <laughs> maybe that Morrison, like that Morrison game, like you said, was a wake-up call and like, hey, this is what we need to do. And you know, we struggled here and let's move on.
4: Yeah. And, and we, we talk about quite a bit with our kids. It's like, you know, the the target is on your back, whether you want to admit it or, or whether you like it, the target is, is truly on your back. You know, we're five time, you know, defending trap champions in a row. And, and, and hopefully if we can take care of business the next couple of weeks, you know, that'll move to to six years in a row that, that we've won the, the track conference. and, and, you know, each and every time that, that our kids step foot onto the field, we're going to get the absolute best effort from the team that we play. It doesn't matter. You can throw records out the window. You know, they want to be the team that, that is able to knock off Princeton. And so, you know, it, it, I guess it could be a burden, but, you know, we, we try to look at it as, you know, that's an opportunity for us to grow, you know, because we have to continue to perform at a high level, you know, or or we're going to end up, getting beat and so i I think it was the wake-up call i think it was a uh, a positive thing that happened early in the year as opposed to later in the year you know and and i can say it again our our kids have done a fantastic job of riding the ship making the strides necessary that that we needed to
0: i'm glad you used the term you know throwing the records out the window especially in the three rivers conference Mississippi division where we know every game is kind of a dogfight the last two games of the season for the Princeton Tigers you got Mendota and then Hall Putnam County if you look at the records like hey you know these should be wins could be wins you know things of that nature but like I just said conference games Mendota's passing offense has proven all season that they can do damage Hall's running game and their defense have been strong units so I'm sure you're getting geared up watching film and doing what you have to for those games
4: Yeah, we we just try to prepare, you know, one week at a time. And, you know, we've got a good Mendota team coming in this week that – I completely agree with you you know their passing game is is really really good you know their quarterback's a good player they've got some good receivers their offensive line is has got a bunch of good-sized kids I don't know what it is with the water you know over there but uh, (laughs) uh Mentota always just rolls out with some just big big massive kids and so we've got to match it I mean I know they're coming in one and six but they kind of have nothing to lose you know and and they may not have an opportunity to make it to the playoffs, but nothing would make their year more special than to come over to our place and, and knock us off. So we've got to do the best we can to make sure that, you know, we're, we're getting better each and every day, that we have an opportunity to practice and not, uh, not ever overlook
0: anybody. Because then right after that, last week of the season, October 20th, then you got Hall, Putnam County, which is – Either one of your biggest rivals or your biggest, you know, throwing Kiwani, throwing Burrow Valley. I mean, this is a big rivalry game for you to end the season.
4: Oh, for sure. You know, and it'll be an emotional night. You know, it's senior night for our kids, and it, it's 100% correct. I mean, this goes back, you know, many, many, many years ago. You know, before I was even around, you know, Princeton and Hall has is, is always been a. A huge rivalry, you know, we're we're two schools that are not too far apart and, you know, no matter, you know, what the record is, you know, going into that game, you know, we know that we're going to get the absolute best shot, you know, from the Hall kids and, and, uh, you know, they may be coming in four and four, you know, where they have to beat us in order to get into the playoffs so you know i know they're going to do everything they can and and coach Tiemann's going to have them ready to go but you know right now we're going to focus on mendota and 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 take one step at a time and hopefully going into the week of, of the hall putnam county game we're we're seven and one
0: tough task but princeton's been on a roll coach i know you uh you're a modest guy you're a humble guy but, I mean, the job that you've done since you arrived at the Princeton Tigers with that football program year in, year out, Princeton has looked as a dominant team going to the playoffs before a game of the season's ever even played. So I think that says a lot about you and this program in general.
4: Well, I, I appreciate that, but I'm, I'm pretty blessed. Um you know, I've got a, an administration that, you know, is very, very supportive, you know, of me and in and, and our program. And, you know, they, they want to see our program be successful. I've been blessed with very, very good kids. You know, we've got some talented kids. We've got some tough kids. I mean, it's just they've kind of bought into, you know, what our program is all about. And 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 also I'm, I'm blessed with a, a fantastic coaching staff that I feel kind of shares the same Values and and morals that that I do, and and they preach it to the kids, you know, just as much as I do. So, um, you know, all those things kind of have to to go into play to to have maybe some of the years that we have, and and then you throw in, you know, we have awesome parents. I mean, our kids are, are spoiled rotten, you <laughs> know, with everything that that our parents do. I mean, from the the team dinners that we have, you know, during the week, our playoff breakfasts and and things like that we have meals provided to our kids you know from away games i mean it's 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 truly a a family type atmosphere and you know i i couldn't be more blessed to to be a part of it
0: well coach as always it's a pleasure to speak with you glad you agreed to coming back on edge of your seat podcast not a weekly thing anymore but you know I'm going to reach out some point in the season and have you join the show. I appreciate you always speaking with us.
4: Absolutely. I appreciate you reaching out, and I'm glad we got to, got to make this work.